This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we preview the NCAA Swimming and Diving Championships with Bates head coach Peter Casares. The Bobcats are sending a record 15 swimmers to NCAAs next week. Plus, we talk with a pair of Bobcats who initially did not even come to Bates to compete in track, but are now two of the fastest sprinters the college has ever had. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The track and field teams compete in the Tufts National Qualifying Meet on Saturday, and the Bobcats continue to rewrite the program record books. On the men's side, sophomore Kevin O'Connor achieved a career-best time in the 60-meter dash, racing to the finish in 7.01 seconds. Good for number two on the Bates' all-time performance list in the event. In fact, he is one of a trio of Bates sprinters this year who now rank first through third all-time at Bates in the 60 meters. And Kevin O'Connor is our male Bobcat of the week. Kevin, well, first of all, at Tufts, a new PR for you. Second all-time at Bates, 7.01 seconds in the 60-meter dash. Tell me a little bit about the three sprinters um, who have really gotten back and forth. You, the sophomore, and the two seniors, Derek and Colby, this year. It's kind of a great dynamic, isn't it? Yeah, so, like, couldn't ask for a better training dynamic uh, just to start. Like, uh, last year, uh, coming in, like, uh, Derek and Colby, like, really hard workers to start. Like, obviously very talented sprinters and very talented guys, but every day being pushed and on the track and then in the weight room and – you know, Colby and Derek specifically, very strong guys. So, like, me just trying to emulate them is something that really pushes you to be a much better, not only, I'd say, athlete, but person. Because, like, we'd be in the weight room and Colby, I'll, I'll be like, yeah, Colby, I think I'm going to drop the weight a little bit. He's like, no, nah, you got it. You got it. <laughs> so just little stuff like that. Um, and then, like, just running and pushing with them is just really good. And I think... All of us, I don't think we'd be where we're at if we didn't have our training dynamic because it really has been something special. Great. And then take us through the national qualifying meet there at Tufts because it's called the last chance meet. And so I've talked to people before and like it's a little more tense sometimes if people are really nervous. What were your thoughts kind of going into it? Yeah, so um, I was really honored uh, that Coach Johnson decided to bring me because I wasn't really in the ballpark to make nationals because that's kind of what the meet is for, is for like people like Liam Burney who are like, all right, we have a really good chance to make it here. Um, and we're either on the outside or we're on a secure position. Um, but I was kind of uh, top 20, make it for Division three, And I was, like, I think just under 200. So, like, I wasn't going to make it. Like, even with this week, I had amazing PR. But, like, the environment was really weird because, like, um, I remember talking to one of the senior women sprinters who also went Lily Daddario, and it was just, like, it's a really weird environment because usually you're used to, like, these massive meets where there's um, time left to compete if you want. Or even the week before at New England, it was just a lot very tense, a lot of people. You can't move. But, like, it was, like, a small meet. So it was, like, a weird feeling in that way. But also it was, like, everyone's last chance of the indoor season to have a PR or get the mark they wanted to. So a tense feeling but a really good environment of, like, very good athletes and very good competitors. So I think it was kind of one of those iron sharpens iron type things. Like in the 60 final, it was just so many good sprinters from across the board, from MIT, Tufts, and then obviously me and Derek from Bates. It was just such a good environment. And 
I think, one of the better environments for us to peak. And, uh, you know, I always tell people, you know, take me through the race. Well, the race for you is 7.01 seconds, but take us through it a little bit. Yeah, so um, <laughs> actually, interestingly enough, uh, Derek and I switched up our spikes for this week. Okay. So uh, Bates uh, got us the new New Balance spikes because we're now sponsored by New Balance. And um, we tried them. I think they came in on Wednesday. We tried them on Thursday and Friday, and we liked them. So we decided we just, you know, it's great. We'll just try it at the meet. And... You know, it really had a good um, effect. And for me, my um, race model had been – I've been trying to be very powerful in the first, like, 20 meters, not rushing out of my drive phase. So I think these shoes were able to help with the power and then uh, just getting into acceleration. Uh, Derek and I both were kind of more power sprinters, whereas Colby is very, like, he's very good acceleration, kind of why he's so good at the 200. Mm-hmm. Um, but – Derek and I, you know, we, we want to be very powerful first 20, 30 meters. But then once we get to 30, it's very um, counterintuitive to continue to push. Like, you just want to relax, relax your arms, like, because uh, the higher frequency, like, you want to, like, just go, 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 go. But the higher frequency you move your arms and your legs, actually, is counterintuitive because it shortens the stride length and isn't going to allow you to get as much power and as good a stride as you need to. So um, just working on that the last couple of weeks kind of just came together where I was able to be powerful, able to relax. And then I think with the combination of the new spikes, I think all came together with um, some good times. Derek had a story from when he first broke seven seconds. So he heard you right behind him mm-hmm. say, I think that was a sub seven. Yeah. How can you tell? How, take us through that when you saw Derek do it for the first time. So um, right when you cross the finish line, yeah. um, the clock like, stops. And um, I was obviously a little bit behind Derek. I think in that race I went 7.08, mm-hmm. so uh, about 0.15 behind Derek. So usually when you cross the line, you can peek to your left and see the big clock. So Derek had already crossed, but I peeked, and the clock had stopped at 6.89. So I was like, I was like, Derek, that's a 6.80, 6.90. I started, just started yelling because like, that's what we had trained for. And yeah. like I said, with our training dynamic, it was every day just – Sub seven, let's go sub seven, let's go sub seven. It was just kind of like our collective team goal. And like, I was obviously a little bit behind those guys, especially in the preseason and the earlier parts of the season. Um, but it was always sub seven, sub seven, sub seven. And then we hadn't, it, would, it had just escaped them both in 705 and 702, which was his current PR. And he finally, like, it was 689. So, like, it usually it'll go up or down, like 0.03, 0.04, like, just a little bit. Like, it had 692, but it was just like, Oh, he's got it. Like, it was an amazing race. He blew us out. And we were, me and Colby were both running pretty fast mm-hmm. that day. We both went sub 7 1. And yeah, it was just Derek, a very hard worker. And um, like I said, those two, Colby and Derek, amazing leadership and could not ask for two better training partners. And speaking of that, you now move into outdoor season where I know Colby and Derek both mentioned the 4 by 100 relay, something they're very excited about. What are your thoughts on that and teaming up with these guys, right? Yeah, so um, it, it's been definitely fun to train, you know, for the 60 and trying to have my own individual goals. But, you know, in the 4 by one I come from more of a team mm-hmm. sport background and it's going to be really fun every day to just work with these guys because I think each of us individually are very good sprinters. But collectively, I think we have the chance to be either nationally ranked sprinters or even like all-American type sprinters. So I think with the way we work hard throughout the season can really put us in a position to be competitive and trying to get to that point of uh, we keep saying Rochester, New York, Rochester, Rochester, Rochester. So just trying to get to that point, but definitely taking it one day at a time. Um, even yesterday, Derek has, like, obviously new track, so we were doing some 
you know, stationary handoffs, just trying to, you know, just get better one day at a time. Certainly. And then you mentioned your team sport background. So tell us a little bit more about that growing up. Uh, what, what sports were you into and how did you eventually, you know, gravitate to track and field? Um, so interestingly enough, uh, I'm also a walk on to the team, just like Derek. Yeah. Um, and, um, I was actually recruited here for football okay. and, um, I had two concussions my senior year of high school. So I decided I was going to make the switch over and in high school I had played throughout my high school career, uh, football, basketball, and track and track was just kind of like the last thing I did of the season. So it was more football and basketball emphasis. And then I was like, all right, I'm not good enough to play in basketball. And then my family had had the conversation of, oh, we don't want you to play in college. You've had too many concussions. You're going to be at a great academic institution in Bates, and I want you to take advantage of that, but uh, we should probably call it with football. So I had decided, at least for the time being, I was going to take some time off of football, and I was like, I think my times are good enough where I can um, come to Bates uh, for track. And so then that summer I had reached out to Coach Johnson, and then um, – he allowed uh, allowed me to walk onto the team, and um, between the team dynamics and working hard, it's been a great transition. And definitely, I'd say uh, track and field is really amazing in college because besides like the fact of PRing or um, you know running at the meets, but every day it's Monday through Friday you're gonna run for about an hour, hour and a half, and then you're gonna lift. So you're getting really good workouts and you're staying in shape, and then obviously you're competing for you know, PRs and uh, qualifying standards and moving up on the top tens list and whatever. It seems like, I mean, it might be, I mean, you mentioned you were you were in track in high school anyway, but um, to focus to focus more on it, it seems like maybe a kind of smooth transition from football because football does have a big emphasis in the weight room just like sprinting does, right? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's so weird because, you know, you come into the, you see like a lot of the track guys, like we'll go to a meet and you see in practice, it's me, Colby, and Derek, we're like big guys. So like, it's like, Maybe this is what normal sprinters look like, but not many sprinters are as big as us. You know, <laughs> you get uh, the guy from MIT who's going to nationals this week. He actually is like, like five six, like maybe like 150 pounds. Like mm. he's a smaller guy, and you know, many of the other elite sprinters in the region are smaller guys. But you know, you see us we're like big, like muscular guys. It's like we feel like almost like too big at some points. But you know, coming into the weight room, you know, Derek obviously with his rowing background, and then Colby's like really strong guy as is. So, and then myself from a football background, it's like. We really like to push weight and move weight around, so it's it's definitely a really fun environment. And even like when we like max down stuff, like seeing like Derek, I think he put up like three eighty five on bench. You know, um, Colby put up like something like two seventy five on power clean. It's just like amazing to see like such a great environment um, in in terms of like training and lifting and like all around just full circle. Great. And then um, I want to ask about, oh, yeah, you mentioned Coach Johnson. Of course, he uh, has a sprinting background. What's it like working with him? Uh, coach Johnson is an amazing coach, um, amazing leader, and someone who is, you know, the training he crafts is great. And it's evident with the time increases we had between me, Colby, and Derek, not only in the 60, but the 200 as well with Colby. But he's, on a day-to-day basis, tracks a really long season. We run November 1st as our first day of practice, and we're doing preseason stuff before that. So I could imagine that a lot of coaches could be annoying to be around. You know, <laughs> it's it's a long season. But, you know, Coach Johnson, like as we say, uh, we always like to keep it light. And Coach Johnson is kind of like the middle ground of that part. Like he, he likes to keep it light as well with us, but like he can make it serious when it has to be serious. And you know, he's just a really good guy. Like, not many people I would like to have as a, kind of like that uh, 
superior figure um and uh, for like eight months at a time like i said but he like is a really good guy and i would not want to have a different coach because he's just amazing and, and not only just like as a guy but like as our training as evident as our times great you mentioned you touched on this about why you came to Bates because you were recruited for football initially so what was that kind of process like i mean and then was it tough to give it up because like oh i was gonna go play college football now what do i do kind of yeah so definitely my dream was always to play college football yeah. um, my brother is actually going to play at bucknell next year so oh, okay um and then um my dad played and like it, it's kind of part of our family culture um but you know, it was difficult. Um, I was recruited by uh, Coach Davis and Coach mm-hmm. Hall, uh, both great guys. And uh, I'm extremely blessed because um, they gave me the opportunity to come to the school, and I will always be indebted to them for that. But um, I was recruited by a lot of the NESCACs. I was recruited by some Division two schools as well. But um, it was mostly over my summer of my junior going into my senior year and um, just uh, ongoing communication and then – I ended up being between Bates, uh, St. A's, and Assumption, and I decided to come to Bates due to its academic prestige. And um, like you said, like it was a difficult decision. Um, so my senior year of football, we actually played in the spring. So oh right, yeah. Um, it actually, I, like you, you could uh, be skeptical about it, but I would say it ha- did have some contribution to, you know, my injuries. I came out and um, I was playing running back, and my second play I got pretty much speared in the head um, and I was knocked unconscious Um, so it was a pretty traumatic injury Um, and then I attempted to make a comeback later in the season but my head wasn't ready yet so then I ended up having another head injury Um, so between those two and then some other head injuries that I'd had earlier in my high school career um, it was definitely a difficult decision uh, especially given the fact that the coaches here had uh, given me the opportunity to come here and um, like I said, I feel indebted to them. So that that was probably the most difficult part, even more than uh, giving up college football. But um, like I said, it was it was definitely a decision between me and my family, and it was a decision that I, I guess, had to make. And I believe everything happens for a reason. Like maybe football had gotten me here, but then track was maybe the right thing for me to do here. So just trying to realize that some things are not really in my control, and I just – kind of going with the flow and you know even now like I'm being successful in track I have great friends um, I love coach Johnson and it's just a really good dynamic so definitely happy where I'm at um, although playing football maybe someday in the future but um, would be fun and yeah I mean it seems like you found a great home on the track team and what's it like to be part of the top three 60 meter uh, dash runners in in Bates history that's pretty wild right yeah it's pretty insane because <laughs> like even last year like I was on the list I was like sixth or seventh uh-huh. but like it's just like insane like it's insane to think about like all the people have came through and even if you do the converted time because they used to do the 55 so um, right even if you do the converted time we're still like very much up there in the top if you do the conversion I think it's like top five and then you could speculate either way but mm. I think it would be Colby one the previous 55 record two and then me three but like something like that but you know it's like surreal like there's actually a video of like my reaction to the 701 it's like surreal like I couldn't believe it like Mm. it's like you know you train we work so hard for it and you get to the point where it happens and it's like I can't believe it because you know just like Last week I ran a seven sixteen at New England. It was a disappointing performance, and then you come back and I'm like, oh, I don't really want to run this week. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> right. I mean, this guy uh, from MIT is going to nationals. This other guy went to nationals last year. Derek's obviously an elite sprinter, and then you line up on the line. And it's like, all right, let's do it, and then um, I end up performing. And that's like the weird thing about track with ongoing conversations, like with Colby. It's like 
a 60 meter is so touch and go like based on a time you're like wow we ran a really good race like this is gonna be a good time you look at the board and it's a terrible time <laughs> and then the opposite is like I, I know I always love to make fun of Colby for this whenever we race and I get out on him or beat him or I'm close to him he's always like oh I ran terrible like specifically at Bowden, like uh, we both PR'd, but he's like, "Oh, I ran terrible" because I got out on him, and then he ended up making it up at the end. But he's like, "Oh, I ran terrible, I ran terrible." And then we look up at the board and we PR'd. It actually, happened two years in a row, but uh, it was just like a little funny thing. Like you just don't know until you like see the board because it's like, like Colby says, like every ten centimeters, like it's like um, so close, and every little oh one counts. So you know, it's it's definitely difficult to you know stay like mentally sane over the course of the season. Sure. Well, we're looking forward to outdoors. I think the 4x100 will be very exciting. We'll see who that fourth person is. Derek said it's kind of up for grabs, for but sure, yeah. we know it'll be you three at least. So Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcats. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. For the Bates women, senior Lily Daddario moved up to third in program history in the 60-meter dash, racing to the finish in the prelims in a personal record 8.03 seconds. She originally came to Bates thinking she'd play soccer, but injuries and circumstance led her to track and field. During a skiing accident, kind of freak thing, I tore my ACL, MCL, LCL, and meniscus. And yeah, so during the PT process, um, which is like a year-long process, um, the first time I ran, I actually saw the track coach. And then a few days later, I was wearing like a state shirt from my high school track experience. And he basically asked me, like, oh, what sports are you playing here? Like, what sport are you playing? Like, why are you not running track? <laughs> then I actually made a silly mistake and was like, oh, what do you run on the track team? Not knowing that he was the coach. <laughs> basically, a month later, this is my sophomore year, um, end of my sophomore year, my friend convinced me, this person actually runs on the track team, to email the two um, track coaches. They basically said, we'll accept you for, you know, the next year, like, you know, like, come and try it out type thing. Um, so yeah, that's basically <laughs> how I ended up on the track team, my junior year. Yeah. And then sprinting wise, um, have you always been a sprinter? You mentioned you ran in high school. You know, all my injuries kind of actually led me to the track team. Yeah. I was, um, convinced to play lacrosse as my spring sport, um, because they were like, oh, you're fast. As long as you can throw and catch, you could play for any D1 team, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I basically ended up severing a tendon in my hand, another freak accident, and after my first surgery, I couldn't close my hand, so I couldn't hold the stick very well anymore. So I ended up running on the track team, and my mom was a sprinter, so mm. I kind of just assumed I'd be a sprinter. I had done no long-distance work, um, and I ended up running in, you know, relays and sprint events um, for, what was it, for two years of high school. So two years of high school and now two years of college. But yeah, that's pretty much the my running background. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and you've had a lot of success with the 60-meter dash this year. You're now third all-time here at Bates after the national qualifying yeah. meet there. So what's it been like, you know, that race in particular, this indoor season, what has allowed you to kind of have kind of a breakthrough year here? To qualify for New England, the time was really frustrating to hit. It was 8.10 seconds I had to hit. Mm. And by the end of last year, I had gone from basically 8.10 three seconds to 8.2 seconds um, at the state meet. And then, you know, um, kind of ran it, you know, at New England's in a four by two relay and realized that, you know, I really wanted to try my best to qualify the next year. Um, so this year, you know, started with 8.20, um, kind of had a mediocre first race, and then I ended up running an 8.15 um, the meet at home. Uh, first home meet. And then at our next home meet, I ran an 8.14. <laughs> um, and then I'm trying to think, I 
actually ended up false starting in my final of that uh, of the state meet, and that actually made me. I feel like it just made me really frustrated and mm-hmm. made me feel like I had less chances to get there. Um, so actually, at our final Lynn Ruddy meet, the last, the absolute last chance I had to run um, 8.10, I you know put it all out there, I guess, and I ended up running an 8.09, which qualified me for New England's. And then I would say, uh, and then I ran okay at New England's. Um, kind of a slower track, but I ended up running close to my PR. And then last weekend, um, my coach was just saying, you know, I don't think you're done yet. I kind of, in a sense, agreed. I felt like I was just learning how to run a 60 since I only had two years. It felt like I was like just getting there and 60 is not an outdoor event. Um, So I ended up (laughs) being like, okay, last chance. Like, let's just, you know, see what happens. And with, you know, maybe it was that I had no pressure. Maybe it was that I just figured out how to run a 60. Um, but, yeah, um, I ended up running next to a really fast Wesleyan girl. I knew that she was just faster than me. So running next to her helped me to um, hit that, you know, top three time of, you know, 8.03. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, um, you know, I was talking with Kevin O'Connor, and he mentioned that you mentioned to him that the Tufts meet was kind of weird, like different, like um, yes. much smaller. Uh, a lot of people were probably pretty nervous. What were your thoughts on that environment? So the environment definitely was different because <laughs> there's like kind of a I feel like there were like he said obviously they were smaller um and then there was a very you know probably half the people there were attempting to qualify for nationals which to qualify for nationals in the 60 right now is like strangely nowhere near our times like it's just it's it's it was not a goal for us <laughs> so we went there yeah with like weirdly no pressure and it was just a lot of people around us were super nervous and I feel like we weren't, I feel like it was less nerve wracking, but to see everyone around you kind of in like a different state of mind was so different from every other meet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He had a similar take on it. It's like yeah. there was, the pressure was off really. And that, yeah, yeah. And I feel like it was definitely helpful. Yeah. And so what are your thoughts heading into outdoors now? What are you looking forward to there? So like I said, I feel like I just kind of figured out how to run a 60, <laughs> which makes it a little frustrating because maybe if I had a few more races, I could break eight. Mm. Um, and maybe get to number one if I had two more years. Maybe not. You never know. But yeah. Um, but in my last couple of races, I would say, which were the first ones I felt this way, um, I felt like I could keep going after the 60. And I'm the type of person who like, um, so my friend um, and teammate, Alice Cockrum, um, she is very, like, we, we have this thing where like, I, you know, really like the starts of races. And that's kind of what I'm good at. And she picks up speed like in the second half of her race. So um, I've always felt like, oh, the 60 is like my event. You know, the 200 is her event and like the 100 is kind of where we like come together. Mm. I always felt like I couldn't really, like the second half of my race was always just like, especially in 100 was always really frustrating because I felt like I couldn't maintain my speed. That's why I was always like, I'm a 60 meter runner. Like, you know, (laughs) I don't know if I'll ever have like 100 that's comparable, like whatever. But um, I would say in my last two races, it, the feeling of I could keep going mm. at this speed um, makes me pretty excited for outdoor because I'm, you know, yeah, I'm excited to see if it translates and if all, you know, that I've done in the past two years, yeah, translates for my last season. <laughs> well, and um, speaking to the men's runners, they're really excited for the 4 by 100 relay. Are the women going to put together a 4 by 100 also? We are as well, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of people who are kind of, sure. you know, up for <laughs> entry into that but I know um people who are most likely to be in it you know are 
um, Alice, Mariah, the hurdler, yeah. and um, myself. And then I know um, either Meg Lacey, who's a long jumper, mostly. And, you know, we call her also a relay specialist. Yeah. She, <laughs> um, as well as um, Maddie, who is outdoor a 400 hurdler, and she's really amazing at mm. that. So, yeah, we'll see how, kind of who ends up in that. But I'm super excited for that. That was my favorite event in high school. Okay. So I'm, you know, I hope, again, that's like another thing that translates as like, I hope that's my favorite event in outdoor as well. Just I'm very much, I guess, coming from my soccer background and my team sport background and doing that for most of my life versus an individual sport. I know at least in high school, I would run like (laughs) a second faster um, Mm. in the relay just because of like the team spirit and um, yeah, just feeling like I'm doing it for someone other than myself. Great. What's it like working with Coach Johnson, you know, because he has a sprinting background? Yeah, um, it's really awesome working with him. Um, I would say I, you know, in high school, I didn't have coaching that was, you know, specifically sprint focused. It's really nice to work with someone who actually has sprint background because it's like I, you know, like I said, the start of my sprint races, I feel like it's my strongest, (laughs) um, you know, aspect of my race. And, And he basically taught me that because in high school, I would only go out of blocks when we got close to regional and state meets because they didn't know how to teach me how to do it Mm. so I basically would use blocks twice a year and I wouldn't even actually like push off them because I had no idea what I was doing yeah so he taught me basically how to um, execute um, a good start and obviously the rest of my race and you know get my knees up and use my arms and if you watch me run in high school I didn't do any of that which is kind of hilarious (laughs) but yeah Great. Well, any other thoughts you want to share kind of on the indoor season and, and, and moving into outdoor here that we haven't got to talk about yet, perhaps? I personally love indoor because there's no wind. <laughs> right. Um, so I do find outdoor slightly frustrating because it's freezing and there's a ton of wind and half your races don't count. But I'm uh, kind of, you know, hoping that <laughs> most of our races are wind legal and um, and that I'm able to kind of have a similar situation where, like, um, I would say indoor, most of my races, I ended up, not not every race, but I'd probably say 90% of my races, I had a PR. I hit, you know, I hit a new PR, which was a really awesome feeling, and I'm kind of hoping that something like that translates. But, yeah, I would say that's, I don't know. I'm just excited to have one more season with, I guess, all my new track buddies that, you know, I only really had two um, years with. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Lily, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. The tennis team for home last weekend, with the women being Smith 9 Love on Friday, before falling 7-2 to number 8 nationally ranked Tufts on Saturday. The men gave the fourth-ranked Jumbos all they could handle before falling 6-3 on Saturday. Both the women and men experienced success at number 1 doubles. Cam Kania and Alexander Gujarathi won 8-6 at number 1 on the men's side while Allie Friedman and Joanna Atwater won 8-1 at number 1 for the women. But Atwater was the only Bobcat on either team to win all her matches this weekend, as she also won at number 2 singles against the Jumbos by a count of 6-1, 6-3. And Joanna Atwater is our female Bobcat of the week. Well, the spring season has begun for the women's tennis team. Joanna Atwater with us here on the Bobcast. Uh, Joanna, first of all, take us back to the Florida trip to kind of get things going how did that maybe help you prepare for, you know, your first uh, NESCAC match the other day? Yeah, I think Florida was super helpful because we went down there. We played some super competitive high-level teams um, straight out the jump. So I think that really prepared us for NESCAC preparation. And we also had some heat and the wind, so other 
other factors that played in, but I think everyone was playing super well, super loose and aggressive, and I think Florida helped us get into the NESCAC season, definitely. And then you had a big weekend. Uh, you and Allie Freeman got a big win at number one doubles against a really good Tufts team. Take us through that match. Yeah, I just told her, it's, you know, we got to just have fun and let's be aggressive and try to take control of the point because in doubles, a lot of it is whoever gets control the first time and the first in the beginning of the point is the one that kind of takes it away in a sense so I just made sure we tried to get control of the point right away and that's definitely what helped us. Had you played those two before? No we've never played them before so it was something that we both took on as a challenge too. And then take us through your match there uh, victory there for you at number two singles. Yeah so I kind of had the same attitude I just wanted to stay aggressive and stay um, consistent so I I made sure to understand what her style of play. She was a big hitter, so I kind of just gave it back to her and really waited for her to miss. So I think that worked well. Excellent. And then is that how you normally play in terms of your style, or do you change things up a bit? I usually change things up yeah. depending on which opponent I'm playing. Mm-hmm. I do definitely like to hit hard and grind it out. Um, but I'm usually I usually like to break down the person that I'm playing, so I like to withstand long points. So, yeah. Certainly. And, and how much does the home court advantage of uh, Merrill Jim help? <laughs> oh, it definitely helps a lot because <laughs> there's not a lot of courts like that in NESCAC. <laughs> Every other NESCAC, most of them, the courts are super slow. So mm. when they get here, it's, they get thrown off guard a lot. So it's definitely a great home court advantage. <laughs> Excellent. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your doubles chemistry with Allie because you've played with her for quite a bit now, right? Yeah, I played with her in the fall. And we had a great fall also. We're yeah. really good friends off the team too. So I think that makes us playing doubles definitely more enjoyable we have great chemistry we both love playing together so that's definitely been fun now you're a senior i understand i think i saw somewhere that you landed a post uh bates uh, opportunity here is that right yeah yeah i uh i'm a senior i'll be graduating in may and i'll be moving to boston i have a job at mass general so i'm super excited about that yeah i remember talking before you wanted to get into that that kind of field right yeah i've been i've been really interested in the field of medicine um so i'm super excited about that great and in terms of thesis how's that gone oh yeah that's been a full year research project so i'm that's coming to an end soon Uh so i'll be presenting at mount david summit and i'm excited to present what i've been working on for the full year yeah, Mount David Summit, I mean, I'm sure you've gone to that before to support, like, your teammates and, you know, friends before. What's it going to be like, you know, think presenting there? Yeah, it'll definitely be a different experience, yeah. but I'm excited. I think there's – I've been working on it for so long. I feel like I'm ready to answer all the questions and to share my data and everything. So what is your topic? I'm looking at the commensal bacteria on our skin, and I'm seeing how um, natural products that are – in cosmetics Mm. kind of interact with the bacteria on our skin and I'm looking at what concentrations does it become harmful to our skin so yeah gotcha great and then um you know kind of looking at the team again um how are things coming together right now obviously you 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 know a lot of players gave Tufts some you know uh, some good matches and Tufts is one of the top ranked teams so how do you think the team's kind of shaping up for the rest of the season here I think we're looking really good coach has been saying this has been We've had great energy and a great dynamic. I think we're super close this year because we're a little smaller. So I think that everyone's been working super hard. We've been in the gym with Coach Magda, so we've been getting stronger, and that's definitely been helping us with our tennis game because we're stronger and we can um, withstand longer points. So that's definitely what's helped a lot. Yeah, Coach Magda, a new assistant coach, yeah. so tell us a little bit more about her. Yeah, she's great. She's um, she's helped us a lot in the um, athletic room with training, and mm-hmm. 
working on the gym and stuff, and she's also been great on court. She also she played at Florida Southern, so it's right. kind of funny playing her old team. But yeah, she's been great. We love having her, and she's she's a great addition, I'd say. Great. What are your thoughts on the weekend? You know, the victory there over Smith and the and the tough match you wanted to share. We haven't got to talk about yet. I mean, Smith, I think was definitely super helpful to um, kind of transition into the NESCAC mm-hmm. matches because. They are a team that has a different style of play where they kind of are more crafty and it's it's a different style than the typical bang, bang, bang. Mm. So I think that helped us transition into match mode and be ready to play um, toughs. Great. Well, Joanna, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Congrats again. A really a great opening weekend there for you at home. Thank you. Thank you for having me. A week from Wednesday. The Bates swimming program will send eight men and seven women to the NCAA championships in Greensboro, North Carolina. The 15 Bobcats going to NCAAs is a school record, surpassing last year's total of 13. And the men smashed their program's previous mark of five Bobcats competing on the national stage. Head coach Peter Casares gives us a full preview. We're talking here on Tuesday. We found out yesterday that Mark Gregory is joining um, the, the group uh, to make it 15. How exciting was it to see uh, another Bobcat get a chance to make his debut at uh, National? Yeah, it was a super great phone call to receive from the NCAA. Um, and, you know, there's there's just a big, great story behind Mark Gregory. I mean, he had a breakthrough year, his sophomore year, um, and was just outside the invite list. And um, I was surprised he didn't get invited his sophomore year because he was so fast, but the whole country got fast. Um, he was ready to work hard and do what he needed to do, and he was training actually, getting ready for um, his next season, um, and decided in April to go for a, 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 a ski with some buddies and broke both legs and tore his ACL. Um, and so we got hit with this guy who was already doing some training to prepare for the next season, being completely sidelined for a couple of months, right up until June or so, June, July, for his legs to heal before he could have ACL you know, surgery, um, which meant he came back to school, you know, really needing a ton of rehab. And he worked tremendously close with Andrew England. Um, Andrew England worked close with me. And Mark really did everything he possibly could to compete this year, let alone make it to nationals. So for him to swim at the NESCAC meet as fast as he did, um, to get a B cut and to be invited in off the alternate list was like an ultimate, like, like good karma, like you, you did what was right. You, you stuck with it, and he's been training with us even though he wasn't invited, and it, and it worked out. And um, I think it's a pretty cool story. So we were, we were all very excited for that to happen this year. He's a big addition to the 800 free relay, isn't he? He's a huge addition. I mean, he's he's one of our fastest on the team, if not the fastest at the 200, um, right right there with Max Corey. Um, and um, he's also like, here's a miler who swims the longest event, 15 and a half minutes. But he also went 45-7 on the 100 free on the B relay, which outsplit people on the A relay um, at NESCAC. So he's got versatility to him. So to add in a guy that will swim individual events like the 500, the 200, and the mile, plus be able to swim on the 8 free relay, and if something happens, we can sub him in on one of our other relays. That is just really comforting to know we're bringing someone that talented with us. And obviously it's pretty exciting that um, both teams will get to compete in all the relay events, so a chance for some significant uh, points. I mean, both teams must be pretty excited about this, right? Yeah, you know, our best relays are ahead of us. We swam very fast um, at NESCACs and got invited to, to nationals on our women in three out of the five events and our men four out of the five relays. 
Um, but we never put together that, that performance where all four people swam, not breakthroughs, not lifetime best, but just at their best. Mm. So a time they've done in the past. So if we can get to the point where we go to nationals and all four people swim a time they've already done in their career, we will go faster than we've ever gone. We will break records and we will score points. And so it's so hard to do four people on swimming at their best all at the same time, but it's totally possible. I mean, why not go to nationals and swim your lifetime best? I'm not talking about a, a new lifetime best. I'm swimming at your, so we believe it can happen. I hope they come together and go, I'm going to seize this moment. Um, our women have work to do there. A lot of their relays are outside of the 16th place right now, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to improve to get invited back at night and score those points. Um, but like I said, I think our best relays are ahead of us there and our women's by a long shot. Um, and I can't wait to see what happens with four more weeks of work for them. On our men's side, we've got some jacked up guys and a bunch of seniors that are on a mission. And um, I think they're going to look at this and, and say, you know, this isn't too much pressure for me. This is the pressure I've dreamt about. And they're going to jump in and, and go for it. Um, and if we can replicate what we've done, we'll be good. If we can get a little bit better, we'll be something special. I mean, Nathan Barry, probably the headliner, uh, he has a legitimate shot at that 100 backstroke. I mean, he's second in the country right now. I mean, Bates has never had an individual national champion swimming. I mean, what have you been talks with him been like, you know, leading into this? Uh, we've been talking about the process with him, you know, like, let's make sure you're getting the work in that you need to. Let's talk about um, your race strategy. He's uh, made some adjusting on his, uh, adjustments on his dolphin kicks off the wall. Um, he's... He's um, thinking about what he needs to go out and if he's going to go that lifetime best. He's reworked his kind of like race success zones and what his goal times and tempo should have been. And so we're letting him kind of fall into that routine of like, this is what you have to do. So Nathan, like you also have now four relays to swim in addition right. to your three individuals. So I hope you enjoyed last year <laughs> when you went and just swam th- once a day for three out of the four days because now you could have 12 events coming up. And more, maybe. So, like, he's going to have to go back to what he did at NESCACs, how he managed that weekend, plus sprinkle in the fact that, hey, I could be Bates' first ever national champion. Mm. How do I deal with that pressure? So I think what he needs to do is race. Regardless of what time it is, what, regardless of how fast he goes, can I go fast enough in the morning to be top eight? And then can I give these suckers a run for their money at night? And if I'm in position or if I get far enough ahead... I'm going to hold on and do this. And I think Nathan Barry needs to get ahead and hold on. Great. And then, I mean, just in general, um, for the, the senior class, right? I mean, there's one senior for the women going, Abigail Gibbons, and you have, uh, I believe, four seniors for the men. And so uh, what's this group been like in terms of uh, their leadership through a time that's, you know, they when they first started here, they were going to go to NCAAs, and then it got canceled and now to this point, right? Yeah, I mean, I think we're blessed to have – five seniors here in this group they're professionals they've been through the ringer with a season being canceled um they've been um, prepping for a national meet and seeing that being taken away from them i don't think there's anything they can't handle right now and i think they know how to handle it so i think you know handle the big meat experience so we've swam at nescacs we've swam against the best in the country um and now it's time to go to the next big dance um the next big pool of, of competition so to speak but it's the same thing. This is how we warm up. This is how we get ready. And the guys to the right or left of us, whether they're called Tufts and Williams or they're called Dennison and Emery or Johns Hopkins and, and, and Kenyon, it, it doesn't matter. We've, sw- we've swum against these people before, this talent, and we're here too. So 
when you have seniors that have done that, Abby Gibbons, who's a pro under pressure, um, Nate Berry, who's been there at national meets since he was in high school, and then our other seniors that, you know, maybe some of them are experiencing this meet for the first time, but no big time swimming, then our underclassmen can follow along, can realize, oh, everything's going to be okay and we can have some fun. Because ultimately, if they're having fun, we're swimming fast. And you have some first years going. That's like pretty exciting, right? Yeah, we brought in some some great first years, um, and it was um, it was a project for some of them, and it was just um, some wow moments for others. Like we knew some of them needed to travel places. I mean, Michaela Kendall had had a journey this year, starting out being very unsure of her season and where it was going to go all the way to the point where we didn't even swim around the 400 medley relay at NESCAX. She ended up not being one of our top three, and then she swam the next day and went the fastest time out of all the butterflies. So there she was going to nationals, um, punching her ticket in a really unique way um, and showing everybody what she accomplished and what she did. And then on the flip side, you got you know Max Corey, who jumped in and immediately was like, holy crap, this kid's a fast, and let's, w- let's watch what he does next. And then we had, you know, another guy, Marich, who, like, you didn't know what to expect because he hadn't had that many years of swimming under his belt. So sometimes he could actually dive in and do a pullout correctly. Other times he looked like a, you know, a nine-year-old age grouper, and you didn't understand if he understood the, the rules to the sport. And so we're, we're teaching these kids at different places. Oh, and then you got Nate Pierce, who's been a pro, you know, at, at KVY up the road in Augusta mm-hmm. and always gone to nationals and always anchored relays. And he was swimming on our B relays going, put me on an A relay and showing us times over and over and over again that made made us know, yeah, you're a pro. So we had a bunch of different people in different places. Um, I'm just excited they made it through the year. We're at nationals now and, and they're going to get a chance to compete and, and really, you know, learn something, but also know that they belong there. And when you have freshmen that know they belong there, that's when a program gets better. They keep they keep traveling in that direction. I'd be remiss without mentioning Grace Wenger, who was kind of the star of last year's NCAA's the maximum seven All America honors, um, matching what Sarah DeHare did a few years back. I mean, uh, you know, no pressure, right, to repeat that performance, <laughs> right? So, so uh, again, Wenger's like putting team first over self, mm-hmm. and um, she's she's this is part of her mo and part of who she is, part of her makeup. But she qualified for nationals in three individual events. And we we looked at her and said, our relays will be faster if you swim five relays. And so she's, instead of choosing to swim three individual events, she's giving up one of her individual events and swimming on all five relays. Same with uh, Sophie Castley. Castley could have done the 200 IM, had a B cut, um, would be competitive in that event. But she said, I need, like, we're going to be better with our relays if she's on all five. So to see Grace go seven for seven again would be icing on the cake. You know, a lot of it depends on how the whole relay performs, not just Grace. So she's going to need help from her teammates for that to happen. But what I do know is that um, Grace will be giving it her all. She'll be smiling. She'll be supportive. She'll be high-fiving her teammates, and she'll be having fun. And she'll be fast. I mean, no one's worked harder than Grace. Um, And so I think with the proper rest and, and focus, she'll be ready to go. I feel like the team this year, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like the team this year was really built for NCAAs, right? Like NESCAC's like, you, you know, you know, that's decent performance overall in terms of placing, but like it seems like you're going to have an even better one for nationals. Yeah. I mean, we had a lot of fun through our dual meet season and um, we uh, saw a lot of improvement from top to bottom um, and people making an impact. But um, this program right now had a real special um, core group of athletes that were um, 
fast all year long and fast against the whole entire country. So I think probably our best place to kind of um, show off a little bit is going to be this national meet. Um, you know, we did a lot of really great things um, throughout the course of the year, a CBB title, NESCAC champions, lifetime bests, um, a ton of improvement, a ton of night swims at NESCACs. But I think when you look at um, some turning of the heads that we could do, it could be like, wow, that meet was really great for Bates. And we're in a position, like I said, our relays to improve and our individual swimmers to do really well. I mean, Sophie Cassidy's never looked better. She's mm -hmm. dealing with a little stomach bug right now, but rest is okay at this point in the season. Um, but like she's even looked faster than she did and, and hitting times in practice that she wasn't hitting going into NESCAX. So I think like she's in a, in a sharper place too. So I, I like this team and I, and I like the, the vision they had for getting to nationals and having that be the focus. Conferences are super important. NESCACs are super important. But if you're going to be a national level team, you have to keep your eye on that prize. And this group of athletes did it. So Greensboro Aquatic Center, what's that environment going to be like? Um, you know, 300 women and 260 guys all jammed into a pool. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, the same size pool as we saw down at Wesleyan when we had 11 teams there, you know, mm. <laughs> and, and only one gender. So it's going to be chaos in a really organized way. It's going to be lots of emotion. It's going to be lots of energy. Um, it's also really great because it's a little further south, so we're going to get some warm weather. <laughs> and then it's also going to be great because they have their 50-meter pool to race in. Um, and warm up in and cool down in, but they have another one next to the facility. So if it gets too crowded and too chaotic, there's more space to, to loosen, warm up, get yourself ready for, for your events. So I think it's an awesome facility. This, the stands are perfect, the pool's fast, um, the extra warm up and warm down pool is a really nice touch. So the NCAA put us in a really great place and a very fast pool and uh, we should have some fun there. I mean, we've never brought 15 before, so we're gonna be sitting on the deck like, hey, here's Bates, you know, and that's pretty cool. Both lacrosse teams fell to Wesleyan last weekend, but the women finally get a home game this Saturday when the Bobcats host Trinity at 12 p.m. Meanwhile, senior captain Jill Richardson will represent Bates track and field at the NCAA Championships this Saturday, where she'll compete in the 3,000-meter run. Check out GoBatesBobcats.com for all the latest Bates athletics news and the complete schedule of events. And we'll catch you next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bye. Bye.